Boom. Welcome back, everybody, to another episode of the C-Squared podcast. Another week, another week uh, full of uh, exciting things happening in the chess world. Fabi, how's it going, man? Uh, you're in Spain right now. It seems like uh, you're finally back. Yeah, it's it's good. It's going well. I, I'm i playing a tournament, but also finding some time to rest in between, which is nice. Yeah. So, yeah, it's, uh, it's good. You're actually doing a lot of projects Uh you were quite active in the discord i know you were showing a lot of pictures of you studying alongside your cat for uh, the upcoming chess ball course so uh, that's uh, that's quite fun how is that going yeah it's probably going to get pushed back a little bit just because the amount of um stuff will take a, take some time take more time than i expected uh but it's it's been a learning process as well which is which is nice because one of the things which, when it comes to like learning openings for myself, is I tend to disregard some lines just because it's not really important. Exactly. Like to understand, like I know that I'll be able to calculate my way through things during a game, but when you're actually explaining ideas, you you can't just say, well, you'll figure it out over the board. That's not a, a way of you know, let's say, teaching someone something. So I've had to kind of. Uh, tried to get more into the essence of the position from like a strategic point of view of uh, different positions rather than just uh, in my normal analysis, you know, I, I, I basically look for ideas for myself and once we reach a position which I feel comfortable playing, then I just, okay, I'll, I'll play it over the board. But this is a different sort of uh, opening work, which which has been interesting. It's a, it's a bit of a discovery process. Do you feel like you also need to widen, let's say, your opening three whenever you're uh, tackling, let's say, opening lines that uh, you as an elite level player would definitely not consider, but you have to explain it to a, let's say, lower level audience? Yeah, it, when it comes to choosing lines, I have to be a bit more cautious so I'm trying to choose things which aren't completely incomprehensible, mm. like positions where, which can only be understood from, uh, from after you uh, calculate everything. You know, just trying to figure out through a process of elimination over the board, which is what kind of works. Not it doesn't always work for for strong, very strong players, but it kind of works. You know, sometimes you lead yourself astray that way as well. But for players who are, let's say. Let's say from the level of 1500, which is, I guess, the average chess player level, to let's say a very strong chess player around 2200, um, that approach probably won't work so well. And then you have to find more, let's say, practical approaches, Think, positions which can either be ex where your opponent's choices are more limited. So you don't have to, like, say, find only move after only move, um, where your opponent doesn't have an abundance of choice where I have to cover every single option and then it becomes a little bit too uh, too daunting of a memorization task, let's say, for the viewer or for the for the person who's trying to learn the opening. Uh, still, the opening I'm covering tends to go in that direction anyway. That I'm covering it from a black <laughs> point of view. Yeah, and yeah. white tends to have like unlimited options. Yeah. Uh, but but still, I, I, feel, I feel like so far it's manageable. Like the... The material that I've gathered so far. By the way, I have like you, I could present. Have you announced uh, what uh, opening line and what opening you're working on? I've, ha, I've, I've told people, or? but I, I, 
I don't. I think I'll just keep it. We should probably keep it secret for, for the moment. Yeah, yeah, just for now. Um, if I'm not mistaken, you you you've been trying it out during the Air Things Masters, successfully. Well, so it's an it's an opening that I've played for years. Like I, I started playing it in 2009, um, and I'll I'll like go through this uh, in the introduction to my course, like when I actually film it. Um, but it was shown to me by Boris Avruk mm-hmm. at the time, okay. Grandmaster, okay. who lives in the U.S. now, but at the time was living in Israel, Israeli Grandmaster. Yeah. Uh, I think he lives in Chicago, actually, right? He's in Chicago, Sh- Sh- Chicago-based. Yeah, he's been in the U.S. for a while, obviously. For, for a long time, yeah. Uh, but at the time, I was living in Europe, and he was living in Israel. And he, I mean, this was such a long time ago. When I think about it now, it was 14 years ago. Uh, but yeah, he showed me this opening. Uh, back then, it was like one of the common things to do was would be to find someone who is an expert in opening and then you know have that person explain the ins and outs of it because opening work was a much more tedious process it was much harder you couldn't just like because you on the engine and didn't have the engines or at least the engines were and that reliable yeah well this this was in ribka days i think houdini was starting to get strong hmm. stronger um, but ribka would routinely blunder checkmates it didn't have any tactical vision <laughs> Uh, Houdini got a bit better, but like pre-Ribka was already Fritz, and Fritz would be like, you know, you play e4, and then you answer c5, and it says white's basically borderline winning if black plays a Sicilian. That's how weak Fritz was. Now we take it for granted how, uh, like, you turn on a, a strong stockfish in the starting position, and it shows you the Berlin. Like, th- these are its first four moves, you know? It's, yeah. <laughs> it's just the Berlin defense. Like, the engines are just became, so much stronger. Yeah, they became extremely... Yeah, yeah, it's amazing. It's they're um, they're they're just very well versed. They actually know the ins and outs of human play at this point, right? Human opening choice, things of that nature, and they're just much much better at practical play afterwards. So yeah, they're just yeah, getting so. It used much to be stronger. that, yeah, it used to be that you could distinguish between human and computer play, and now if you look at uh, players, top players, they play like machines with mistakes thrown in, but yeah. like. If you took out any mistakes from like Hikaru's play or Magnus's play, it, it would just be stockfish. Like there's no stylistic difference. Mm-hmm. It's not like at some point the computer does something that's like a huge positional error, right? Like yeah. Humans don't um, don't outplay computers in the ways that that we were used to. Let's say 20 years ago. Mm-hmm. Like let's say uh, one example: Kramnik played Fritz, um, Deep Fritz, in 2006. This was like either right after his match against Apollo or, or I think it was I, I think, I it, think was it was after, if I'm yeah. not mistaken. And and he lost the match. Uh but at some point he plays a Catalan and he completely outplays Fritz and he gets to a winning endgame. And then the computer, you know, calculates it calculates calculates its way into a draw. But he legitimately outplayed the computer from an equal position. It, these things are not even close to conceivable at this point. Absolutely not. Yeah. All right. Well, um, speaking of uh, computers, uh, that was that. But let's talk about the Air Things Masters. That was the big tournament that's been happening in the past week. I actually played it as well. We both played the qualifiers. You did qualify. Unfortunately, I didn't make it. I actually finished 76th, which the qualified me 
to uh, the um, match afterwards, after the playing session or whatever it's called. And um, I was supposed to uh, win another match to qualify for the bracket. And I played Bordnik. It was a pretty wild affair. We drew the first game. He was white, uh, pressed a little bit, had a pawn up, but I managed to defend in that one. And a huge blunder in the second one in a completely winning position. But unfortunately, I didn't give myself enough time. I had 15 seconds against something along the lines of three minutes. I had uh, a win in one move. Basically, it was like plus five or plus six. That would have qualified me. Unfortunately, I didn't find it. And after that, I flagged in uh, in a pre-equal position. So that was my experience with the RTs. You, you got a bit unlucky, right? Because uh, Borgnick is, is a really, really good player. I mean, he's really tough. I think everybody's so, very, very good at that. Yeah, point. everyone's tough, but you could have definitely gotten guys who were less experienced in the online mm, format. Maybe, maybe. I, I cannot say that I was really worried. I, I mean, obviously, I knew that everybody is just going to be extremely strong, but I wouldn't say necessarily that I was super worried about Bortnik. I think he makes mistakes as well, but definitely um, experienced. And he showed it after that in the bracket. I think he went pretty deep in in, in the bracket. But uh, yeah, that was a fun event. Super long, though. I mean, I think we spent mm -hmm. the first day like eight hours in front of the computer or something like that. And at yeah, the end of those... And yeah. at the end of those eight hours, you might just find yourself not qualifying. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I think Levon no, actually it was make it. Did Levon make it? I think he made it to Division Three. Let me but let, I, let me check because I played against him. Uh, we both had, I think, four out of how many rounds did we have? Nine rounds. It was nine right? rounds Swiss. Nine rounds Swiss. So I think this was in round eight. I think we both had uh, four. We drew that game, so four and a half out of eight, and then I lost and I still qualified. I don't know what he did in the last one, but in fact, let me see if I find his name around here. Because I don't remember seeing him qualify. Yeah, I don't see him here. So he might not have qualified, which is kind of crazy. Yeah, <laughs> it's possible. I mean, yeah, that's, that's very disappointing for him. Yeah. And surprising. But it's, it's possible, you can imagine it happening it just shows you how strong the event actually is. Uh, top 76 at least go to a mini match and Levon didn't make it out of that. So um, it just goes to show how, how, how strong this event was. But okay, um, that was my story in the Earthings Masters. You had a completely different story. Tell us about that. Um, well, my story was similar because in the sense that the eight hour day kind of killed me at the end. Like I, I had a very good start in the play-in. That's what it was called, right? The nine rounds was called play-in. Play yeah. Yeah. Uh, I started like four out of four. Then I played Kramnik. I drew Kramnik from a position of strength, but still, I don't know if I was ever much better. But I, I was definitely pressing him quite seriously. I, I think I just drew the rest of my games, basically, and I qualified like like that. I had very good chances to beat Gukesh in the last round and to potentially even win the, the play-in. Mm -hmm. But it wouldn't have changed much, right? I mean, I, I would have gotten... Um, you still place, have to play a mini match after that. You still have to play a mini match, whether you win or you get. Uh, in my, my case, I got fifth, right? Mm -hmm. uh, Gukesh won with seven and a half, and then it was a big tie. Like I was six and a half, Picard was six and a half. Um, trying to think who else was six and a half. Beyond, I think. Napaniashi, Dubov, or maybe Dubov wasn't. Yeah, Dubov was sixth place. 
So anyway, there was a bunch of people on six and a half. And I ended up playing Serana because they gave me a choice. Uh, like you had to pick your opponent. So I was, the, my choices were either I play Serana or I play Hikaru. And I briefly thought, okay, maybe I should like go for, uh, <laughs> go for, for glory and do what would be a very ballsy, but not very wise decision to play Hikaru. <laughs> um, which look, if you win, you look like an absolute genius, but of course it's like not the yeah. mathematically correct decision, right? It's, it's not. It's so, not. Yeah. So I chose Serana. It's the right decision. I beat him in the first game with white. Second game, I'm much better, close to winning uh, with black. And then I don't, I had more time. I just need to draw. I'm like borderline winning the game. I stopped being worried. I'm even thinking I don't want to draw. I want to win, <laughs> which is stupid, but I just wanted to like assert dominance. And instead of that, I, uh, I lost that game. And then I lost an Armageddon against Serana. And he, he gets to the, um, Division one like that, and I, yeah. I go get relegated to Division two. In Division two, so yeah, yeah it did. It, it so definitely didn't rough. feel uh, didn't feel fair, but that's competition for you, yeah. Um, you you, you gotta no, be, I mean, okay, you gotta stay course. sharp until the end, basically. Of course, it's fair. I mean, I, I I very seriously messed up. Like I had it completely in the bag. Um, I I mean, I do have to say, I was like not thinking straight at some point. At the end of the day, it was eight hours, and yeah. Uh, Eight hours, mostly because they their side, side stopped working at some point, so it, it was like an hour and a half or delay or something like that. Yeah, let's uh, let's actually continue on that tangent and speak about Serana. I think uh, Magnus made quite an interesting statement. He said that uh, after he met Serana in uh, the first round of the bracket, he beat him, and in the interview afterwards, he said that it feels strange to play Russians nowadays obviously because of uh, the whole situation happening in um ukraine and he mentioned he said that with every single passing day and the ongoing conflict it feels very very strange to play russians um how do you feel about that what, what, what is your take and let's discuss this a little bit um yeah i guess i guess we can speak openly about this although it's very sensitive it uh, is a very subject, sensitive yeah yeah it, it, it's, it's i mean a very sensitive subject like, of course, I mean, I understand where he's coming from, from one point of view, right? This is, uh, uh, I mean, a pretty atrocious invasion, right? And uh, human rights violation and war against Ukraine. Uh, that being said, like, this doesn't have anything to do with, with let's say, Serrano, right? Um, these individual players don't have any control over it and in many cases expressed their uh, uh disagreement if you want, or whatever you want to call it with the war yeah um and many of them left russia as well exactly and if we're if we're like getting into this it opens a very big can of worms when it comes to countries that have done bad things uh and there will be many countries over the you know course of countries history and uh if we're going to take target at individuals because of that, uh, not people who have, let's say, expressed uh, support for the war, right? That's an, that's another question, but people who have uh, not ex uh, expressed support or who have said they're against it, yeah. right? And we can we can name some people uh, like... Um, well, like, I can tell you example, that I have... Right? Uh, sure, Grishuk is... Well, Grishuk has openly said that 
he doesn't support uh, the invasion and obviously he's not on the side of war but he also after that you know did some questionable things um participated in events organized by Karyakin just recently I think there was a big event in Moscow if I'm not mistaken organized by Karyakin and in which okay that, that's played. yeah that's possible um, maybe Grishuk is not the best example but I just remember that he like went into a very uh, a great deal of detail at he some did. point during the he, he, he did. Grand Prix when he, he went to he spoke out against it uh, but there's other people right I mean there's people who have left Russia right like Fedosev I think left Russia um Vitugov, I think, left Russia. Yep. I mean, I, I, don't, I have I don't a couple know. of students uh, that left Russia. Right? I have yeah. Oparin yeah, yeah, that yeah, left yeah. Russia. Okay, Oparin actually just immediately applied for um, for change of um, of um, membership of a federation. And um, unfortunately, he had to wait a couple of years. This is something that I don't agree with. So the fact that the players that do want to change federation still have to pay a significant amount of money to uh, to FIDE and to the Russian Federation. He was given the option of playing because at that time, I think he was uh, maybe not about, he, he wasn't above 2700, but he was very, very close to that. And I think I they also take some sort of a ra rapid rating. Basically, he had to pay $30,000 if he wanted to change federations and not have to wait two years be before he can do that. Mm -hmm. um, yeah. Obviously, that's a huge sum, especially for an international student that has moved countries and still have a lot of expenses. Um, for any chess player, $30,000 is, is a huge sum of money. And I think this is very unfair for people that want to change federations due to the ongoing situation. So if anything, yeah, FIDE uh, could I change totally, that. Yeah, totally agree. FIDE, FIDE um, could and I, should change that. I mean, I, I think in general, it's not the best thing i mean I, I had to go through this when i changed from italy to the united states i had to uh personally pay fifty thousand dollars to the italian federation yeah um but okay that's one thing it's a whole other question when when the money is going basically to the state and uh and 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 then i i understand that that can be the possibility but not given the circumstances I just feel like given the circumstances, yeah, yeah, yeah. this should be abolished. Especially in this case. In this case. Especially in this case, it shouldn't be allowed, right? That That's that's for sure. Uh, FIDE should make an exception. But FIDE does have like very strong Russian ties. We we don't speak much about it, but, but that is the case. Mm. Um, like, yeah, I, I, I do think that, uh, I mean, it, it's a very, very strange situation to put it mildly yeah yeah <laughs> at so, the moment because you have a world championship which will be played and again i don't want to speak about i don't want to target players because like i don't yeah yeah actually didn't do anything wrong but the sponsors are going to be have russian ties um the same with like the world rap and championship it's a lot of money with russian ties and um and all right i think like magnus and peter hein nielsen his his uh, his second have uh, spoken about this, like especially uh, Peter Hein Nielsen, right? He he speaks about this quite at length. Uh, I I mean I agree that it's not good, but I think they take it a bit too far with the whole thing about Russian players, because then uh, you can raise this argument for it's for a very American slippery players, slope, right? It's a very slippery slope. I, I mean, yeah, I I don't really see how you can't 
raise the same exact issue when it comes to to the war in Iraq. I mean, I don't. Uh, if if you're going down that route, that route road, then this is like the logical continuation of it, and then you have to uh, speak about banning American players. Yeah. Um, no, it, and if it, we go it, back in history, we could also speak about the the Vietnam War, for example, right? Yeah, uh, I, I know that. Yeah, it's it's all ancient history now, but um, but yeah, we could also speak about. I mean, there's there's a lot of things going on in the world, uh, a lot of wars. So to to only focus on one and then say all the people from this country need to be punished, and then ignore everything else that's going on is is a bit uh, myopic in my view. No, absolutely. Um, I tend to agree with that but yeah so that's one of the big situations that happened after uh, day one after the play-in let's say day one of the brackets but actually during the play-in there was uh, that huge moment that made waves and ended up on cnn and um a lot of uh newsworthy let's say uh sources and uh, that was jobaba who went on a completely crazy rant um we're not going to necessarily go into detail as to what he said but let's just put it this way he wasn't very happy with one specific player and mentioned the nationality of that player and the nationality of um all well actually all the players from that specific country be banned and things of that nature and needless to say it wasn't very um very clean and he got banned. Two days after, Chesalcom decided to ban him from playing prize money events for uh, one year. How do you feel about this decision by Chesalcom? I mean, I, I think he sort of got off easy. Easy? Really? Wow. Like, <laughs> I mean, well, this is not at all surprising that you have a code of conduct in tournaments. This yes. Is even if it's not explicitly stated, it's pretty normal that you'd expect that when you're playing a tournament, you should represent the the host uh, as well as yourself, right? That you shouldn't do things that might bring the host into disrepute or yourself. Um, so then we get into like three tiers, I think. One is that you accuse someone of cheating. This is this happens a lot, um, and yeah, there's always going to be suspicions and you can't really blame someone for having suspicions and even saying something about it. Yeah, maybe you shouldn't do it, but it's very natural to do so. Um, but still, you should be very, you should be quite careful about like stating it very directly, right? Yeah. Uh, but then we get into like the, I mean, that's one thing. But of course, whatever you say about that, you shouldn't... Uh, turn it into a racial thing and definitely you shouldn't like bring other people from the country into it um so that's that's really really bad yeah i also uh, feel it was yeah. very close to harassment um over the phone because he was speaking with a chess.com representative a chess.com proctor and i think he was harassing that specific person as well which is yeah, also not part. something that you should do. You know, if you're trying to get somebody banned or if you're trying to, um, yeah, if you're trying to get your points back, you feel like you got cheated by a certain player, you shouldn't go and harass chess.com uh, proctors. 
No, that that's the third part. I mean, like the the worst part is is that it's uh, that he made you know racial, um, whatever you want to call it, uh, generalizations. Um, <laughs> it sounds like a nice way of putting it. Actually, it's probably a bit too mild to say put it like that. Um, that's that's the worst part. But of course, abusing staff who didn't do anything like even if someone was cheating, it has nothing to do with the proctor or anyone else who's working at chess.com. Yeah. I mean, they'll they'll conduct an investigation at some point and decide, but that has nothing to do with the people who are working on the spot. No. Who are, who are I think usually volunteers as well. Uh but yeah, it it was like ugly on many levels. Let so. me try to play devil's advocate here and say that okay, so if he gets banned for one year, but on the other side of the coin cheaters, we know um from previous situations that they were given second and third chances by chess.com actually under um, the view of uh, privacy, right? So they were discussing with chess.com and they were given the opportunity of potentially um, getting a second account if they were acknowledging the fact that they cheated. That was the way chess.com was dealing with things. If that was the case, don't you feel like Jabava should have given, should have been given a second chance? Well, I think as much as I dislike cheating, I mean, I, I think it's pretty, pretty shitty mm -hmm. <laughs> to cheat, especially when it could take money away from other people. Mm -hmm. Like, I still view it as much worse to, uh, to be very, to say very openly racist things, even if it's in the heat of the moment. Okay. Um, which I understand they're both bad. So yeah, you know, we're, we're comparing two bad things. Of course, it's not like I'm trying to defend the other, um, the other thing is that he's, he did it very publicly. If he, if you do something privately, like let's say you cheat and you get caught privately, yeah. these things can be swept under the rug. And chess.com didn't want to make a big deal of, of these things in the past, right? And so if things are kept private, yeah, most likely it doesn't like get widespread recognition. Um, and and, and chess.com isn't put in a position where they do something that they normally don't want to do, which is ban a very strong grandmaster. Uh, but in this case, it's just, I mean, they should, and, and they also have to, yeah. it would, it would be extremely, it would look extremely bad if they didn't. Yeah. And the reason I said it was mild is because they only banned him from, he can still play on the website. He's just banned from prize tournaments for a year. He can. Uh, but and... I can imagine in another sport, you just get like a, like a very serious sanction, not just from the website, not just from prize events, but from all sorts of things. Uh, like there was a there was a even a chess player who made a, an accusation of someone cheating, and they that person got sanctioned by FIDE for like coaching, they, just all sorts of things. I mean, they, who, they, who, the who was that? Who who was that? I'm trying to. Remember. I mean, I I don't remember who, but I remember like it was with this girl. The ah, the yeah, person yeah, who was yeah, accused yeah. was this girl. I think Bibi Sarasvayeva. Yep. Yep. Who now that she's like won two Blitz World Championships, it it seems like a pretty silly accusation yeah but regardless of like the of the accusation or even if there was any merit to it at all which there probably wasn't still it's like you accuse someone and you get banned from like the governing body so if you're saying really racist stuff you would kind of expect that you would also get a similar punishment right yeah and uh, i remember i think i don't there think was... they would tolerate this in other sports no no there was a uh... 
uh, an instance in I believe it was UFC when if I'm not mistaken a Russian uh, fighter said some racist stuff and he got immediately kicked out of the UFC basically um, so yeah this type of situations and this type of outbursts are definitely not permitted and anybody should refrain from doing those especially <laughs> in the public eye like Jababa did which was kind of yeah crazy. it was very very bad and very, very unfiltered for no reason I, he, he's kind I mean, of it's okay to be unfiltered right yeah. you can like say you know my opponent is a piece of shit like i mean nobody's gonna fault you for that right if you get angry at your opponent or someone uh or you know just an angry outburst i mean he had angry outbursts in the past and it's like okay he has a history of yeah. this yeah, yeah. He's, he's showing his emotion but once it gets into like racial stuff then it's, it's very unacceptable yeah he has a history of this i i know that he hates cheaters and you know everybody hates cheaters but at the same time you shouldn't be dealing with situations in this manner so um yeah one year ban from prize events from jovawa still can play in chesalcom events oh sorry chesalcom events but without money i'm not 100 sure that's the thing like can still how, how much is he like i i don't know if he streamed for chess.com he streams but i don't know if it's like with the logo i in, want to say that he was a chess.com streamer recently maybe i mean he probably won't be getting that back <laughs> correct correct yes at, at any point but okay we're speculating yes um this is but how much money is a player of his level who's successful in these events how much is he what's his his cost what's his economic cost for this i mean 20 like, is it 20,000 maybe 20 grand i want yeah, to say 20, 20 20 g's if he's doing well throughout the year i mean again this is such a difficult event it could be 20 g's it could be 50 g's it could also be five thousand or zero yeah it could be it could be anywhere from a you know two thousand to a hundred thousand it's a very hundred hundred right? i think it's a bit too much i i don't know i can just one hundred just in case he would qualify for the for the finals of the champions tour that's the only scenario yeah, but i i don't see that as realistic um given no, his, his, it, his level it's at, at the moment it's possible let's say it's like it's like a two percent chance it's still a chance right i mean if hans oh. uh, sued for a hundred million then yes <laughs> it's, it's are we gonna see good. a new lawsuit <laughs> actually i was thinking about that uh i don't think he has a case no of course he doesn't i also don't think he necessarily <laughs> has the means to take on such a such a behemoth that Chazakam is so I don't think we're going to see that. I mean what's this case going to be they banned me after I abused their staff and uh shouted obscenities yeah. at an entire nation of two billion people there, <laughs> there's there's definitely no case there it's it's not a not a very strong case is it there's definitely no case there um cool yeah that's the Jobava situation I'm sure we will be hearing more in the upcoming probably, probably weeks. not no? Like, why would we hear more about it? I think it's settled, huh? Right. Well, we wanted to have maybe Danny on the podcast to see um, inside ah, okay. of the story. And sure, sure. Maybe, maybe at some point, who knows, maybe we'll get Jababa as well. I don't know if you would. <laughs> we'll see. We'll see. All right. Um, let's get into the play so far. So you unfortunately didn't make it to Division 1. We discussed. There is quite a big discrepancy in terms of points and price money when it comes to Division One and Division Two. Um, 
very significant. I would assume you were quite disappointed to not make it, but you got in Division Two and you started cleaning up. Um, you, you you had a pretty smooth ride in the first. Well, right now actually you're just about to play the finals tomorrow. So let's uh, yeah. discuss how you got. No, there. No, I, I mean after I lost to Serana, I was like very um, dejected. Mm. Like why am I such an idiot sort of thing, you know, how, <laughs> yeah. how it is. When I, know, you, I know how it is. Yeah. Yeah. When you lose in a stupid way, right? When you lose normally, okay, it's, it's whatever. Yeah. Uh, when you lose in a way that you shouldn't, right? Where you're just better and you just need to draw and, and all you need to do is, uh, is hold a nearly winning position with more time Then you're like, you know, how, how could I be so stupid? That's the worst. But then I was like, okay, um, Division two still has some hope for things. Like I'm still playing for something. Uh, so, so I, I saw my first pairing. Um, uh, Gosh, yeah. I've never played the guy before. He's, Dip- he's I think he's a relatively young guy. Diptayan Gosh. Yeah. Like 25-50 player. Grandmaster um, from from India. 25-50. Yeah, yeah, strong player. Um, but not, I, I mean, compared to some other appearance I could have gotten, uh, definitely uh, not the strongest. Just to give you some examples, uh, uh, Vladimir Kramnik was uh, among those players, Dmitry Andreykin, Bogdan Daniel Teak. So, yeah, probably. Well, okay, wait, wait, wait. I mean, Jan was playing. Like, Jan as well. Yeah. Yeah. Jan. Jan so the bracket was like, okay, Kramnik, yeah, of course. Kramnik is a legend. Dubov. Andreykin, Dubov, Nepo, uh, Yakubov, Championship match. Yeah, yeah, no, that's all these guys. Yuan Yi, of course, uh, who I actually played, ended up playing. Okay, you actually got the easiest, the easiest pairing. Well, that was normal because I, I was like among the top, right? Because I was, I had done better in the play than other players, so it was normal that that like I. I would play someone lower, and Yan would play someone lower, and, and so on. Did you get to choose, um, or no, 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 this was just decided. No, so I don't know if I would have picked him because I, I like hesitate to pick players who I don't know much about because you never know where right? they could be super dangerous. Yeah. So, but that was a very smooth match. I won two and a half, half, and I, I was never in danger. Mm-hmm. I mean, I actually like started with a win and a draw, and I thought the match was over. I thought it was a two game match. I was like, can I leave the call? And they were like, no, you're, you're still playing two more games. But then I won the next game, so uh, so it went well. <laughs> um, then I played. Salem. Who did I play after that? Salem. Oh yeah, Salem. That was a, that was a match I was worried about for sure. Who actually beat Kramnik in 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 the previous round? Yeah, I, I was definitely very worried because uh, I know he's quite dangerous, especially in blitz. And I have to say, like the first game was very easy. I just crushed him in the first game, but the second game I was in huge danger, but I survived. And in the third game, I was worse. I was worse, 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 and then I defended and suddenly I'm better. And then it's a dead draw. It's knight two pawns against bishop one pawn. It's like, okay, I'll play it on a bit, but it's a draw. Mm-hmm. And then he just blunders his last pawn. Mm-hmm. And I win. And that's the end of the match. So it was a very strange end. Yep. And uh, then I played Yakubov. Yakubov, who beat Dmitry Andreykin. So. Yeah, so I was very worried about this one because uh, Andreykin... Like I view him as basically a top player in these formats. Yeah. So that he beat Andrake and I mean, uh, shows just how. And this was like a really close match. If you, not if you look at the result, 
But the first game, I was much worse borderline losing, but I helped with Black. Mm -hmm. The second game was actually an interesting one. He played a line. Like, I played um, Queen A4 against the Rogozin. I won't get into too many details, but he played a line which I was thinking about playing with Black, um, which was actually recommended to me by Alejandro Ramirez. He was like, maybe you can take on C3 here, and then Queen C3, Knight E4. It looks very dubious, but it's some sort of like crazy stuff, and I was going to give it a shot in the US Championship against someone who I can't remember uh, which game. And um, so he took on C3, and I knew that what the critical line was. But I couldn't remember any details. So, like, I messed it up quickly. It was a crazy position. My king's on D2 in the opening. He has, like, my king's on D2, and he has a, um, a knight on C2 protected by a bishop on the long diagonal. And the knight is just entrenched there. And it's kind of like, Sometimes he loses the knight because it gets trapped, and sometimes it ends up mating me, yeah. depending on the specifics of the position. And I messed it up, and then suddenly I'm like dead lost. But I'm finding some like resources, and I'm ahead on time. And in time trouble, he messes up, and and yeah, I win the game. Um, and I check my file after the game. I actually had exactly the position after like move, um, which was it after queen b6, move 17. I had this position in my analysis. And in my analysis, I said king c1. And if knight takes a3, knight d2, and I was like, this is winning for white, or, or much better. But over the board, it was like such crazy stuff I couldn't understand. Um, Do you feel he so knew? So I won that game. He, he knew up to that point, or this was no, just first time? I think, I think he forgot something because he queen b6, he messed up, right? It wasn't the most accurate move. Mm -hmm. And he was also thinking. So it was like we were both kind of knew it, but didn't know it fully. Yeah. So, um, and then after that, like, uh, it went very smoothly. I won the last game very, very smoothly, but, but those first two games were really tough. So that was a tough match. Yep. Tough match against, uh, Yakuboev. And then you finally today met in the, uh, winner's final against, uh, Yu Yang-Yi. And yeah, really weird. in three games, right? Did you need the four? Yeah, it was such a weird, weird match. I have to say it was two and a half, half again, like the same, all my matches have finished with the score. Hmm. The first game, I'm like, okay, slightly worse equal throughout the game, like balancing between slightly worse and equal, and then suddenly, I think I've equalized, and then I see the game is heading for a draw, basically. But then at some point, I realize that it's not like totally a draw. Like he still has to prove it. He's he's actually struggling a bit, and then he didn't find the way. He just lost. Like very, we reached an end game, which looked like. White can never lose, and he was white. And then suddenly he just loses. I mean, with the, I didn't check it in detail. Like maybe it was a draw, maybe not. But it was very strange. It was like a transition from an equal end game into what looks like an equal end game, but it's not so equal. Yeah. <laughs> and second game I played rather poorly, and I was, uh, you know, it was just a bad game. But I I drew, but just like an ugly game. I wasn't happy with the opening, everything. Second and game. Then the last game was, the last game was a strange one. It was like he was outplaying me from the opening, and I have this miserable position, and much less time. And it's just such a disgusting position because I'm so cramped, and I'm just trying to like not lose on the spot, basically. And I'm so down on time too, and it was just miserable. But I'm finding like resources to hang in there, and then he makes like one move. And it's like a really weird move to my eye. 
I, I don't know what was going on in his mind because it's he has a definitely very promising position and he has nine minutes against two. And basically he has a rook on the F file and it's bearing down on like it's a semi-open F file, mm -hmm. bearing down on my king and on my weak F7 pawn. And you should never move this rook. It just belongs there. And then he moves it. Mm. And basically like I played two natural moves and then it's like he game seems over. to just be lost. Yeah. And I took like 30 seconds for the rest of the game. It kind of like all very flowed very naturally. I, I didn't feel like I'm uh, risking, felt like I had a big attack. And I just won. Like it, suddenly everything collapsed for him. It was a bit, bit of a strange finish. But yeah, and then that was the end of the match. I was at least expecting like if I survive, I still have to play one more game. But that's I ended up with a bad that, position. That's the end of that match. But you're actually facing him once again in the grand finals. He did win the losers bracket. He beat uh, Yakuboev in the the final. So you will be meeting him again. But. As we know, with these double elimination tournaments, you have as the winner of uh, the winner's bracket, you have uh, two lives compared to only one life for Yu Yangi. So in order for him to yeah, win the whole thing, he has to beat you twice. You only have to beat him once. That's a pretty significant advantage. You actually are quite uh, accustomed to this because you played the American Cup and you were more or less in the same situation last year against Levon if I'm not mistaken. Oh, yeah. Yeah, the American Cup had the same system, but with classical, so we can't classical. directly yeah, compare yeah, yeah. But yeah, I, I beat Levon to win the American Cup without getting into the loser's bracket, right? Or him making a comeback in, in the in the first match. Yeah. Um, so you won the first match. Was, you didn't need a second. Yeah, match. I didn't have to play a second. Uh, so hopefully, I mean, it's, it's going to be tough, of course, because he's a tough player. Um, like he beat Yakubov quite convincingly. He's he's actually done very well overall. Uh, so I don't. It's it's kind of funny because I just played him, so it feels weird to play him again. But... Exactly. So l let's talk about that for just a second. You did mention, and you did uh, mention in in the Discord that you generally don't prepare for this uh, mini matches. Nevertheless, you already played against him. He kind of already knows what you're doing. You know what he's doing. Somebody has to change something. Are you going to prepare for this match uh, in any way differently? Well, I'll just have to check the games that we play, basically. Um, and improve on those. Yeah, I mean, I, I think he'll come with different openings anyway, and it's rapid chess, so he can basically play anything. Like, he played, for example, the Philidor in one game. Very big surprise. I mean, he, not only has he never really played it, but it's also not an opening that anyone really plays anymore. Like. Nobody likes to play the Philidor, it's just a bit passive. And, um, but I'll still have to, to consider what to do against it because, I mean, well, you have to prepare for something, right? Yeah. So, yeah, Philidor he played. Um, I mean, that's not to say that I'll play before necessarily. Hmm. I, I don't really know because I haven't thought about it. I, he only recently finished his match against Yakubov and, and qualified to the, what we call the grand final, right? Yeah, the grand final. Yeah, the grand final of uh, Division Two, and actually, there is a very significant prize for uh, Division Two winner. Not only that, you get ten thousand dollars, but you qualify directly into Division One uh, for next tournament, and I think that's a pretty significant prize as well. Well, it's it's through. Yeah, the money is nice, ten thousand, um, but also fifty tour points are quite significant because. Uh, 
I will be getting more than anyone except for the, some of the people in Division One, and not, and more than most of them. Like, let's say the winner of Division One, he just gets qualified, so his points don't matter. Mm-hmm. Whatever tour points he made, 150, mm-hmm. it don't, doesn't matter because he already qualified. So, so he won't actually be part of that group that's trying to qualify from the tour points. Um, and then the the runner up, I think, gets seven or a hundred, a hundred, right? A hundred. So the runner up is hundred fifty and hundred. Yeah. The runner-up is doing amazingly uh, in terms of qualification from Division One, but after that, I think it's like Wesley got seventy-five, and then I'm the same as like Arjun, right? Yeah. If if I win or whoever, if, let's say me or Yu Yangi, yeah, will get fifty, which is the same as Arjun. Is that correct? Yeah, I believe so. Okay. So uh, it's already quite quite good. Like, there's not many people who will be. If I win, there won't be many people ahead of me. It'll be only Wesley and uh the loser of the match in terms of tour points because the winner of the the final will, will already be in so so that's quite good and then getting directly into it is of course very good because that guarantees me um if i make it that will guarantee me some decent points right yeah uh yeah. For, or even a chance to just qualify directly which would be very nice no it's uh it's 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 a big opportunity tomorrow so that one is going to be a big one. Before I let you go and before we finish this uh, week's episode, I do want to talk about this uh, a couple more topics of interest. First of all, I was kind of flabbergasted by the fact that Firuja lost absolutely every single game that he played. He lost two matches. He lost, I think, uh, 2-0 in the first one and 3-0 in in the next one or 3-0 and 2-0 basically he lost every single game that he played which was kind of ridiculous that's not the best i mean he lost 3-0 to arjun yes which yeah i understand things think bad things can happen sometimes right yes but then he also got whitewashed by serana who's very good but still like i wouldn't expect fruja to get whitewashed by serana right i mean fruja is a better player what's happening with Uh, fruja Let's speculate. I don't think I don't let's, think anything's happening. Right? <laughs> People want to be all dramatic. I mean, you know, the guy has a bad two days of chess, and I mean, here's the the thing is like, I, my memory for chess events is pretty decent, but the average chess fan's memory seems to be like one day. Like they only have a one day memory. They don't remember anything that happened prior to like five minutes ago. Mm-hmm. Which, I, if we think about what Fruja did prior to this, I understand he didn't play much, but uh, he won the Sinkfield Cup. He arguably had the most successful summer of any chess player in terms of uh, financial gains and, and and tournament wins, yeah? What about Hans? <laughs> well, I'm not sure about Hans. No, I'm I mean. Firuja <laughs> won like no, I think Fruja it was something the best like 300k in, in like five tournaments, one after the other. I, I mean, it's just strange to me that like Firuja goes to St. Louis, he wins basically everything that you can win, mm-hmm. right? He only he only didn't win one event, which was the Chess 9LX, which you won, uh, and he almost he almost won it. Yeah, yes. I beat him on in, in the finals. Yeah, and and then like he loses a few uh, online games, and people are like. Oh, the guy's done for. <laughs> retire. So, okay, let's, Firuja, retire. Let's, let's try to remember a little bit, like a few months ago. I mean, it's not that long. Let's try to 
expand our memory a little bit. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it, it's pretty it's pretty bad. That means that like to lose five zero is he's not going to feel very good about it. No. Um, but yeah, I don't think I don't read much into it besides that. Like he just had a bad you know, bad week. It happens. Um, I've had bad weeks. I've had bad months. Bad years. Like I can say from experience, it it, it happens. You know. Yeah. Yeah. So we're definitely going to most likely see Hiruja one come one back example and of that back in the next event. Just just one like recent example. Like mm -hmm. I, I you know I watch a broadcast after I'm finished with my games and I see like comments about Arjun that Arjun has been on a roll recently, right? Because he he did well in the in this tour mm -hmm. uh, champions tour so far, right? He he beat uh, Gukash. Uh, he beat um, I mean he whitewashed Perusa, right? Amazing. Uh, if we go back literally two weeks, the guy went like minus five in Vikingsay. Mm -hmm. mm -hmm. I mean, I, again, I don't want to, like, it doesn't mean much that he went minus five. It, it happens. Mm -hmm. But people don't really don't seem to remember past like a few days. I mean, I don't understand it. It's not that difficult to, to remember the last tournament that, that happened. It's just, or at least to just Google it. <laughs> no, I think it's just there are so many things and every single tournament is being hyped as the tournament that's happening right now and all the focus is on that specific tournament that you just forget about uh, what happened a week ago it's basically the same situation with everything social media right you have a big story that's happening this week and then this big story gets washed away and the next one comes next week and nobody remembers what happened one week ago or they remember but they just uh don't care about it so yeah. I feel like this is yeah, basically true. what's happening in chess right now. It's just one big event and hype event after another. And um, the focus is just on that specific event that's happening at that particular time. No, that that's definitely true, but it doesn't really reflect very well on people. No, no, we have very short attention spans. That's, that's, that's the way it is uh, nowadays. Cool. Um, but it, like, it gets very egregious. I mean, sorry to, to drag on about it, but no. Like, I'm watching the online chat, and I know it's <laughs> it's probably full of trolls as well. But like, Magnus makes, and this was also back in like the chess bomb days. I don't know if people even remember chess bomb. I remember chess bomb. Yeah. It's like Magnus makes a mistake. You see the bar, and chess fans are are very good at like reading the bar. It's they have no idea what's going on on the board. They can see the bar going up and down. And Magnus literally makes one mistake, which might not even be a huge mistake. And people are like calling for his retirement. It actually <laughs> happens. And I'm like, what, what is going on here? I mean, okay, they, they must be trolling, but still, it's, uh, I have a feeling some of them might be serious about it. Yeah. Um, maybe it's just the influx of like new chess, chess viewers who are still getting accustomed to, to what chess is. But yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> just because people make mistakes doesn't mean that they're going to retire tomorrow. The the backseat quarterback, yeah, or uh, how do you call it, the couch quarterback? I don't know what. Uh, the morning, what the saying is um, Saturday morning quarterback, or something uh, like that, or what was it? Something psychologists. Yeah, yeah. Couch yeah. psychologists. Yeah, so basically, yeah. yeah. You you understand what we're trying to say here, but that's 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 not a recent phenomenon i think it's just been amplified by uh social media and shortened tension span and just tournament after tournament 
being hyped up as the one tournament that you have to watch and you have to pay attention and care about. So yeah, it's, that's that. I mean, from, from experience, like one tournament starts, it ends, someone wins. And then the it next doesn't one really starts. change so much. I mean, how many bad tournaments I've had, how many tournaments I won. It's forgotten about pretty much the next day. Yep. 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 Um, yeah. Travel, future plans. Oh, actually, another interesting thing that I wanted to chat with you and um, because you might be in this situation at one time in the future as well is uh, the bidding situation that happened with Magnus and Hikaru and they bid. I think it was eight minutes and 59 seconds Hikaru and eight minutes and 58 seconds Magnus. So Magnus got the black pieces and um, six minutes down and had to, to draw. Well, Armageddon is coming up. And let's reveal the bids from Hikaru what? and Magnus. Look no. at that. Hikaru has been eight minutes and 59 seconds beaten by one second. <laughs> Magnus Carlsen bidding eight minutes and 58 <laughs> seconds and this is hikaru's reaction mm. so basically serana bit i forget and i bid like 749 i also don't remember what it was but basically i got 749 against 10 minutes he, he went higher than me and against him i wanted black because i thought like his openings were white or not terrifying and I'll get a good position, which was true. I just didn't play it very well after, so I lost. Uh, but I think that I made the right like bidding decision. Now, as for uh, Magnus and Hikaru's, like especially Hikaru, because he did the, he against Wesley, he went to eight twenty four today. Is that correct? Was it eight twenty four? I don't have a very or eight oh five. I forget what it was. Way to, to to find that out at this second. Point. And and he and he wins Something. against Wesley. But yeah. I feel like it's just not good decision like it's not a good decision it's not good equity there's no way that having half your opponent's time with no increment and black pieces even if i understand they like draw all their games which so is you weird, think but... you think six seven minutes is not enough i think that like okay if we speak first about the carlson against hikaru game yeah hikaru had more time and a much better position at some point so of course you know we can like look at it from his results oriented uh point of view i mean we can analyze it that way but from a strictly the opening point of view and things get out of control after the opening so we can't really speculate right about what would have happened if this or that but um if you had asked hikaru after like 15 moves did you make the right choice or are you happy that you got white and that amount of time against magnus mm -hmm. he would have said for sure yes i have a better position and i have like five minutes more and there's no increment, so if he ever, if Magnus ever gets low on time, he's getting flagged. Now, the fact that it just didn't work out, okay, it, it has nothing to do with the decision. Um, like, Magnus did not have a winning, he, he didn't win because of the bid, I mean, yeah. despite what people might say. Yeah. He, he won because he survived a bad position. Yeah. Uh, I, I wouldn't have survived that position against Hikaru at that time. Like, or, I mean, maybe I would have, but I feel like, like, 80% chance I would have lost that game. Yeah. Uh, so Hikaru survived, right? That was, uh, sorry, Magnus survived. Magnus that survived. was, um, yeah. That was not because of the bidding. I, I don't think it was a good bid. I would never bid that low, I have to say. Now, Hikaru against Wesley today, he 
had a terrible position. He was down like a minute and a half in a position where Wesley can basically just shuffle endlessly and flag him. Or potentially, like, if, if he card wonders, just win on the board. The queen endgame. Uh, the queen with up upon obscular bishops with queens on the board. And where if white ever trades queens, it's practically just lost for black. Yeah. I mean, I would say that this is like a 95% that Wesley wins this against anyone. Um, that Hikaru put himself in a bad position with his like time bid and, and somehow scrapes his way out because he's extremely skillful, especially low on time. Like, okay, it, it speaks to his chess skills, but I don't know if it speaks to his bidding skills. I mean, like, yeah, I still wouldn't look at this as, as a, a win because of the bid. I mean, he just, he defended an atrocious position where he normally would have gotten flagged. And like, even Hikaru, I think, Seven, eight times out of ten against Wesley loses that. Yeah. I mean, it just it just came together for him today. Yeah. But no. yeah, it was a bad situation. It was I, a bad one. I, I think definitely so far the tournament has been producing a lot of uh intriguing moments in all divisions. I'm a bit disappointed that they're not doing any broadcast of the second and third division. Hopefully they will improve on that in I think the they will. Tournaments. Yeah, I think I think they'll change that. I mean, from what I've heard, they're they're going to change the broadcast of it because, to my eye, it's not very good, and I think they feel similarly that it can be improved quite a lot. Um, I don't like how they have six commentators sometimes for one game. I mean, it's it's just very strange. Yeah. Like, I mean, if you're having if you have this amount of manpower or man and woman power, <laughs> uh, then allocate some of it to some of the other games, not just you know, Hikaru Wesley one 15-minute game at a time or Magnus Hikaru one 15-minute game at a time when you have all sorts of games, going, like you have uh, Division 2, Division 3, you had like Nepo, Kramnik. I mean, these are arguably very interesting matches, right? Yeah. So anyway, that's just yeah. no. my opinion. Um, great, great event so far. A couple of things that can be improved by, uh, but overall definitely an event to follow, an event to play and an opportunity for a lot of players so i was happy with uh the event and my experience i'm sure a lot of grandmasters that definitely don't have these type of opportunities very often were feeling similar um so good event so far congrats on a good run and good luck tomorrow fabi um and i guess uh that more or less should what do you, what do you think are you just one last question yeah are you yeah, yeah, uh, gonna yeah, yeah. Play the Go next ahead. are you gonna play the next play in oh yeah whatever it, it is if if i have time if i don't have any other uh responsibilities i can tell on you today already day? yeah which one is it it's gonna be on uh march 13th okay that's before the american cup so maybe we can play it both from before. yeah yeah i mean i might actually be in st louis so perhaps we can play it from from the same place I'll come visit yeah. you at your new wow. place. Sounds sounds amazing. Well, we actually need, yeah, we need to set up your uh, the, the 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 broadcast room as well in your new apartment. So we have a lot of work yeah. to do, but uh, yeah, that's more or less it for this week's episode, guys. Don't forget like, subscribe, support the channel, share it with your friends, tell your friends to to watch it if you find it interesting. And don't forget, if you want to chat one-on-one -on -one with us, the Discord is open. 
I will leave the Discord somewhere in the description below and all the other channels where you guys can find us. So until next time, which is probably going to be next week, I say have a good week, guys. Have a good week. Have a good weekend. Cheers.